this is where a lot of people get tripped up with the mental game. They're like, I was making so much more money as a single operator than I am with five staff. Yes, but just think about the dynamic. The 80% that you could take as one person is fixed for life. You can't work 193 hours in a week. They don't exist. Well, hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. All right, on this particular episode, I wanna to talk to you about hiring your first 12 employees. Now, you don't need to freak out with that. Like, if, if that's far too much for you to comprehend because you're thinking about hiring your first or second, it's fine, just stay with it. Because it's, it's about the process more than it is about the number. And if you're watching this and you've already got 50, 60 employees, for example, you know, the process is the same if you really want to kind of put rocket fuel under that and start to get 100 and 150 and 200 employees, right? So don't be so caught up on the 12. Just watch the process, especially in those, in those early startup years. You know, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, and I want to outline the process of how to go from, say, you know, a sole practitioner to 12 employees, because no one outlined it for me. And it would have been really beneficial if somebody had kind of explained to me, how does that process look? Because I think we can tend to have a romantic notion about how it's gonna look, or actually no idea, and we're forced just to kind of think, well, I hope it kind of pans out, or I believe it will pan out, and then the process throws you off track because it's nothing like what you were believing for. So I just wanna outline it for you because it was an eye-opener for me um, and I think if, it, if somebody had outlined for me that it was going to be tough, it still would have helped me win because I would have got my head in the fact that it's tough, but it, it, there's a real big payoff at the end. You know, one of the things that I've always said is that I want to be the merchant of truth. I don't want to be the guy that tells you all the really sexy stuff that tickles your ears and gets you rah rah because as soon as the podcast finishes, like, you know, it's just not going to last, right? I, I want to... I, I, if it's good, I want to tell you it's good. And if it sucks, I want to tell you that it sucks so that you're armed with the right information to start making smart decisions, right? So, so that, you know, that's, that's really where I'm going. And um, I'm going to explain the process. And then I'm going to go through the four M's, the four M's that you need to do and consider to go and hire your first 12 employees. All right, the process goes like this. This is typically how it is for most entrepreneurs. They'll, they'll be working for somebody and then they're like, stuff this, you know, like, um, you know, I'm going to go and work for myself, right? You know, you know, they say, I'm working for like a lousy leader who's a narcissist who, it's like, well, when you go and work for yourself, it's not going to be any different, right? You'll be a lousy leader and a narcissist, right? So it's like you, you think you're leaving like a, a bad boss and you end up working for another one. And you learn that pretty quick, all right? So now you're working for yourself. And what typically happens is you build the business to the point where your capacity is maxed out, right? You are like, like big days, um, you're, you're assuming all the risk, right? all the problems, all the dramas, all the highs, all the lows, right? And, and you get to the point where you are maxed. And then you, you know, in that scenario, most people are earning more money than they would be if they had a job. And, um, and they get a little bit more flexibility than if they had a job, right? So if they want to take the afternoon off to go to kids' sport carnival, they can manage that with some lead time. 
So then they kind of go, okay, this is better. Even though I'm stressed and I'm not sleeping and all those kind of things, it's still better than working for somebody else. Which it is if you're called to entrepreneurship. Right, so you get to that point. And, and then some people, it's, it's interesting, there's a few different reactions to that. Some people go, stuff it, it's too hard, it's too much pressure. I don't like the fact that the boundaries, are, my boundaries have been you know, eroded. I'm gonna go back and get a job. And then they basically, most people are not happy because they realize they didn't hit their potential. Some people stay in that position forever um, and then they, you know, they, they earn good money but they kind of burn themselves out because they stay there for too long because they're assuming too much of the risk and the, and the pressure and the dramas and the, and, the, so, and, the, and the workload. And a very few people, the pure-brain entrepreneurs, they will break through and realize, okay, that was a stage and I need to go to the next stage. And that's the stage I want to spend some time on is, it's like, okay, how do I go from that stage to my first 12 employees? And the process, let me tell you, is full of highs and lows. Let me also put it this way, high highs and low lows. That's the process, all right? So you've got one person, right? Now, when you're a sole trader, I'll outline how this looks. You're making okay money. So you realize I'm gonna hire. Uh, let me just give this some numbers. These numbers won't necessarily carry um, globally, I'll use I use Aussie numbers really, um, but you've kind of got to make them work for, for your place. But let's say, for example, you know, that you're able to draw $2,500 a week from your business as a sole trader because you've maxed yourself out. Well, you're about to go and hire your first employee. That first employee, believe it or not, they're going to come and work for you on Monday, and on Friday, they're going to put their hands out for some wages, believe it or not, right? Well, where do their wages come from? They come from your your ability to take home your two and a half thousand dollars, just using that as an example, right? So let's say that they want half of that, 12.50 a week. I'm just using round numbers. You've got to take half of the money you take. So you're funding your first employee, okay? Now, um, you know, at the end of week two, they want another 1,200, and at the end of week three, they want another. So, so, so you're basically, what you've built this business, and now there's another mouth to feed, and now there's even more pressure, because there's more work, more invoices to cover two people, but you're getting half of the money, right? A lot of people freak out here. They're like, you know, if you do that for long enough and they're like, this sucks, it's not worth it, I'm earning less. But if you can stick to it, right, what happens is the, the work that that first hire is doing for you is gonna get paid at some point, right? So then you start getting, you're invoicing more. So now you're only paying them a portion of, you know, the money that they're bringing in, right? and every business will be different. For some businesses, that's one week. At the end of one week, they've made more than they cost you. For some, it's the end of one month. For some, it could be the end of six months or even possibly longer, okay? So you have gotta be able to ride that out. Ironically, the businesses where you actually have to fund them for longer before you get a return, usually have much bigger margins so that when it does work, it's really worth it. All right, so, so then, you know, fast forward a little bit, and now the two of you are making good money and the business is expanding again because you're both busy, you can probably get back to the point where you go back to taking your $2,500 a week and they're getting their $1,250, right? Now, you go forward a little bit longer and you're like, okay, I wanna hire employee number two. Well, you, you don't have enough cash out of this business to fund them yet, so you have to employ that person, which now means more invoicing, more stress, more training, Right? But you've got to take half of your $2,500 a week and give it to employee number two. So now, now you've got even more drama, but you're down to half right, of the money that you can take from this business. 
and a lot of people trip up there because they can't handle it. But if you stay on this process, then what happens is you get all three of you to be invoicing and you're getting paid and you're invoicing more than you're, they're costing you in wages and now you can get back to taking your two and a half thousand dollars a week. Repeat the process again, employee number three comes along, right, and um, you're still not making enough money to start throwing cash at everybody, so you've gotta take your, you know, half of your two and a half thousand, give it to employee three, and repeat that process, right? So that's, now, now, now here's, the, here's the merchant of truth, right? You get to three, you've funded all of that, one of those is likely leaving, right? So now you've got, man, now it's a backward step because I've got to replace this one and I've just trained them and I just got them good, right? Which happens all the time. Um, and, then, and, then, and then that makes some people really bitter because they're like, I'm pouring into these people and they just quit. It's like, yes, but training them and they quit is still better than not training them and they stay, right? So. So you've just got to stick to the process because at the end, at 12 employees, where we're going, it gets really, really good. So let's say, you know, one drops out and then you've got to go and rehire them and, and that's a bit of, that slows you down in your hiring of the 12. Then you get to employee number four, same process, five, same process. You're having to dip into your money to fund them to get them up to speed. Interesting dynamic happens around employee five or six, depending on your margins. At five or six, there's enough money, you know, the amount of money you're, you're invoicing out employee one, two, three, four, versus how much you're paying them gives you a bit of margin. And that margin over four people actually can fund probably half of employee number five, six, and seven's wages. So now you don't have to go from two and a half grand a week to 1250, you're going from two and a half grand a week to 600, um, you know, or 1800, but take 600 and give it to them. So you don't have to reduce the amount of money you're taking by as much because you can make some money off the team and a little bit of yours, and that's employee five, six, seven, eight. And now there's a really interesting dynamic, right? Because employee number 10, 11, and 12, you can fund them out of cash flow, right? There's enough money being made between employee one and employee eight for you to employ nine, 10, 11, 12 out of cash flow and you don't have to not take any money out of the business, all right? That's the process. And, and depending on how entrepreneurial and how fast you wanna do that journey, you know, that might take, I mean, it could take one year if you're prepared to just absolutely roll the dice, or it might take two, or it might take three years, depending on how hard you want to run. That bit's up to you. But that's the process, all right? Hey, sorry to butt in, but I need you to subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit the bell. If you're listening to the podcast, do me a favor. Share, comment, like. See, I'm the one paying the bills around here. We don't have these fancy sponsors that roll in. It's me, I'm paying the bills. And in return, I would love it if you would help me. Subscribe, like, share. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, interesting thing happens, and this is the bit that most people can't handle somewhere on that journey. When they were a sole operator, they were probably running at an 80% net profit, right? Depending on your business. If you're a product-based business or you have huge material costs, then it wouldn't be that. But either way, like, you would be running, you'd be able to draw, if you're a sole practitioner, you'd be able to draw 80% of your gross profit and just keep it because 
there's no other cost, right? You're probably running a vehicle and whatever, maybe a bookkeeper or whatever. It's like there's very little costs in that business and you're able to take a heap of the cash out. Let's just say you were able to take 80%. <clears throat> With this model that I'm talking about, you can possibly get down as low as only taking 10 to 20%. This is where a lot of people get tripped up with the mental game. They're like, I was making so much more money as a single operator than I am with five staff. Yes, but just think about the dynamic. The 80% that you could take as one person is fixed for life. You can't work 193 hours in a week. They don't exist, right? You were literally maxed that you, you had an actual ceiling on your earning capacity. So you could earn 80% of a fixed amount. With this new model, you can draw 10, 20% out of the business, but it's infinitely scalable. You've got to be able to get your head around the fact that 20% of a big business where you're sharing the risk, sharing you know, the dramas, sharing you know, like the journey, 20% of that business is better than 80% of a single operator. It's better, right? Because, because you can just have a greater impact, you can do tons more revenue, you'll have more influence, but ultimately it's infinitely scalable, right? You know, if you get to that 12 employee mark and every business would be different, but you're probably doing two to $3 million of revenue, right? Total sales, it, it, it could be under, it could be over, that doesn't really matter, it's two to three million, right? So if you're picking a, a 10 to 15% net profit that you can take if you want to, it's, you know, we're, we're talking here between $250,000 and $450,000 a year, and you didn't do all the work. Now, you might have been able to get that same money as a single operator. And so then you end up going, well, it was easy as a single operator. Yes, but the single operator business never had the ability to grow, you can go to 24 employees, you can go to $6 million a year and get a 10 to 15% net. You can go to $10 million and get a 10 to 15% net. You can go to $30 million and get a 10 to 15% net because it's the team, it's the, it's the first 12 that help you get the next 12, which help you get the next 12 and it's not all reliant on you like it would be as a sole operator business, all right? So the first 12, I mean, that's hand-to-hand -hand combat, right, to, to get through that journey. The next 100, the 12 will do for you because you put people in positions, right, leadership, management, growth positions, for them to be able to take the business. And that's why there's no limit and no ceiling on your earning potential because you get 10 to 15%, and your number could be different, you get 10 to 15% as an example, of a business that scales off into the future. And that, that's when life gets amazing because you, you, know, you build it out past 12, you probably don't need to be there every day, right? You could choose to be there, but you don't have to be there, right? And it's throwing off enough cash for you to get time off, for you to get some boundaries back, right? For you to go and take vacations, right? That's the beauty of the journey. But it's those first 12 and the first five to six hurt more than the second five to six. If you can just get your head around that process, then you will win. All right, the four M's. The first one is the maths. You've gotta be able to do some basic maths to check that this model works to scale. 
The first one is um, like, if is one job profitable, right? So, um, and, and everybody will have a different version of what a job is. So just stick with me for scenarios. I've, I've got to talk in, in, in generalities, but you've got to make it relevant to your business. Is one job profitable? Okay. So just to say I'm paying somebody $100,000 a year, that doesn't matter whether that's too much or too little. It doesn't really matter. That's going to be about $50 an hour. So I need to look at one job and say, if let's just say I sent a team member to Aunt Mary's house to do a job, trades-based scenario, for example, and I inv and, and it took two hours plus half an hour of travel, right? So I've spent 125 bucks on wages. How much did I get to invoice this customer, right? And and then the number might be $250. There was it when it was just labor, but the number could blow out. It could be $750 because it had. $500 worth of materials, in which case I really only charged out $250 worth of labor, right? Now, if you're doubling the cost of the employee, it's probably not going to work, right? Because, because by the time you add in all the overhead of the company, right, the overhead recovery rate, the unknowns, the mistakes, the callbacks, you, you're probably too close. But if I'm paying somebody $125 an hour in labor and my labor charge out rate, I mean, you might be actually marking up your materials so that everyone's a different scenario. But in this scenario, if I'm charging them out at 125 and I'm actually bringing in 300 of labor charge out, those numbers work. Those numbers work. Because you've got to look at, in terms of building the model, does one job work? And then if you can get one job work, does one day work? Because now you've got downtime, you know, canceled jobs and those to throw these numbers out. All right. But if it's, you know, what's, what's eight times 50? So that if, if they're going to get paid $400 for the day, right, which is their, their, their day, and you get to charge out $850 worth of labor for the day, well, it's better than double that. You could probably build a model on that that works. And anything better obviously works even better. So if I can get one job to work, then I want to check that I can get one day to work. And if I could get one day to work, now I need to check that I can get one month to work. All right. So $100,000 employee is going to cost me about $9,000 a month. It might be a little bit more than that. But let's just say $9,000 a month. And then in labor, how much are they bringing in? All right. So if they're bringing in 20K, which is a little bit over double, and they're costing me nine or anything better than that, then I'm going to do incredibly well. If, see, on the hour by hour basis, you don't want it to be too skinny. But you could probably make a case that says labor only, so not materials. If they cost me nine and they bring me in 18, so it is double, you could build a great business on that and scale that thing a long, long way. All right. But you've got to be able to do the maths to be able to see if this works. Okay, and then because if you know that works, then you can start loading employees as quick as you possibly can because you know the model works. So the one M you've really got to consider, the first one is maths. The second one is money. Where's the money coming from in your business for you to be able to fund this fast growth? There's really only a couple of options, right? You can get the money by borrowing, right? So you can borrow the money. What does that look like? First place you ever go is friends, fools, and family. Then you can look outside of that to, um, you know, to to uh, 
institutions, um, redrawing from home loans, whatever you want to do to be able to do that. It's just all you've got to consider is your own risk profile, right? Um, but, you, but borrowing is a place to go and get money, right? The second place is some savings, right? So you actually might have the ability to have savings in a bank that you can go access. And you take the savings from this and you put it in your business and you use that money to scale. And then you charge your business an interest rate on that money. And then once you've got to 12 employees and you're highly profitable, you can take that money and pay it back to yourself with interest. And that was a really good idea. Another way that you can raise money to be able to fund this is equity. Sell 20% of your company. 20, 30, 15, half, probably not half, up to 49% would make sense. You can sell part of your business and you take that money that they've bought and you put it into the business as cash. Obviously, this is how all tech startups fund their growth, right? They just sell down parts of their company and they take that money and they use it to build out their roadmap of development. And then the last place and the way most people do is they fund their growth through cash flow which is basically using the money that comes in this month, being really, really frugal with it so that you can fund the next person or whatever. Um, and, then, and then more money comes in and you're really frugal with it and you can fund it out of cash flow. That's how most people grow a business. It's totally fine, but that's not how the biggest businesses in the world do it, right? They do it by borrowing an equity. And maybe it's a mix of all of these that you've got to go down. Maybe you've got a small amount of savings and you can borrow a little bit of money and those two added to your cash flow means that you can scale this business out and get to the 12 employees, right? So you've got to think about the maths of, of building the model that works. And then you've got to look at the money. Where is this money coming from? You need a plan for it um, because, you know, if you're taking it out of cash flow, for example, which would be the slowest way to grow, you need to make sure that you're not taking one more dollar than absolute bare bones. You don't need a new car. You don't need new clothes. You don't need to brush your teeth. You just got to put every single dollar back inside the business. All right. Maths, money. And then the third one is momentum. All right, if you're going to go from, from one employee to 12, one of the questions I get asked a lot is when do I hire and who do I hire? Which is a fantastic question. Because on, you need momentum to get through those first 12. It can't be, oh, I'm going to do one and see how it goes. It's got to be, I'm building out this business and I'm going to get to 12 and I might have to hire 15 to 20 to get to keeping 12, okay? Because not everybody's going to work out. Some are going to vote themselves off the island and some you're going to have to move on, right? That's just a fact of business. So momentum. Let me answer the question of, of, of who do you hire? Because that's a question I get all the time. Here's how I do it. I hire around the vulnerabilities in my business. I don't have a set plan. I hire around vulnerabilities. So I look a bit further down the road and I go, where are the potential problems on my momentum journey? And I'm going to hire around them to alleviate the problem. So I'll give you an example. You might be, you might be scaling up a, you know, a, a financial planning business, right? And you're looking, you're going, well, if I put on three planners, I don't have anywhere near enough back office staff to be able to process them. That's going to be a problem. Or I've got one at Susie and she's excellent, but if I hire two more, Susie's going to be, you know, un, uh, like overwhelmed. And if Susie quits, I'm in massive trouble. I'm going to get another Susie, right? I'm going to get Philip to sit beside her as back office processing. Now, okay, now my vulnerability is I've got too many in the office and not enough client facing, right? So I'm going to go and get more client facing. And then from there you go, right. Um, we're not putting out anywhere near enough content, so I'm going to hire a videographer to come inside the business as my next hire. 
You know, it's like, cool, well now I've added an overhead, right, which is probably gonna bite me in 90 days because they're unrecoverable. I need to hire two more fee earners to be able to offset the, and so that's, that's the way I do it. I look at the business and I go, mm, if that person leaves, that leaves me really vulnerable, I'm gonna hire a second one before I need them. And now if I've loaded the office, I need to get the other, like whatever. And, and I'm just juggling, looking further down the road, saying, where is my business vulnerable? Where is this model gonna fall over? And I hire around that one. Because once I've hired that one, there's another vulnerability somewhere, and I hire around that one. And then that, it just moves the vulnerability around the business, and I hire around that one, right? So maths, money, momentum, and the last M is marketing. The way you get to your first 12 employees is you better make sure you scale up the amount of leads coming in. The, the mistake a lot of people make is they hire the people, but they don't go and get the customers to make sure there's enough work to fund the people. You've got to be able to do both sides of the business, right? The front end, the marketing, the sales, the converting, and the back end, the capacity, the, the ability to, to deliver, which is what your staff will be there for. So along this journey, you know, the money is an interesting equation because some of that money needs to go to marketing. Some of your money, whether you're borrowing it or equity or cash flow, some of that money needs to go to marketing. So if you're currently spending $2,000 a month on Google Ads and you're about to employ 12 staff, you're probably gonna have to try and spend $10,000 a month on Google Ads along this journey to be able to make sure there's enough leads. Or if you're going to one networking event, you might wanna get the first three team members to be joining networking events to get enough momentum to be able to fund themselves, right? Some of the money, needs to go to marketing and some of it needs to go to employing and probably nothing else, right, in, in, you know, in those early years because that's where you need the money to be able to fund those two. You've got to make sure that there's enough marketing to fund the people that you're putting on so you can pay their wages, okay? You can't, you know, if you scale up the marketing and you don't scale up the team, then you'll have a whole bunch of unhappy customers because you can't deliver. But if you scale up the team and you don't scale up the marketing, all you'll do is burn a heap of cash and then have to fire everybody because you don't have the work for them. So you've got to be able to straddle both sides of this journey. You've got to make sure the leads and the sales and the invoices and the, and the collections are good and growing at the similar rate to the rate that you're putting on staff. All right, I say all of that to basically point out that's what it looks like. And I wish there was a way to shortcut it. And maybe there's the odd random one where their margins are massive and they can fund them out of cash flow and it's no drama. Maybe those businesses exist, but they're not normal. For most of us, it is literally a, a game of hand-to-hand -hand combat, fighting for every new employee, every new customer, and scaling it as you go. I say all of that because I want it to be inspirational or aspirational, that now you know what it looks like, now go do it. It'll be the most wild ride and the most rewarding adventure you'll ever go on to get those first 12 employees. But I wanna hear from you. It's a simple yes or no in the comments below. Will you do it? Yes, I'm taking the charge and I'm gonna push through. No, I'm scared. I'll engage with the people that write no in the comments. Hope this has been valuable. I'll see you next week. Thank you.